MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello. Welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, October 9th, 2020. Today, the FBI has thwarted a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Former GOP Deputy Campaign Finance Chair Elliot Broidy is charged with a conspiracy to act as a foreign agent. Trump pulls out of the next debate. Sidney Powell files a motion for Sullivan to recuse in the Flynn case. Kamala destroys Pence in the vice presidential debate. Trump has asked Walter Reed doctors to sign an NDA, and he did this last November. And Nancy Pelosi announces a press conference to discuss the 25th Amendment for Friday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm your host, A.G. Big show for you today. I will be speaking with the Democratic candidate for Virginia's 1st District, Qasem Rashid, again about some breaking news regarding his Republican opponent for the Flip It Blue segment. And later in the show, I get to talk to the one and only Academy Award-winning Tim Robbins about his new satirical cinematic podcast series about our current body politic called Babo Supreme. It's amazing. Uh, It's out now on Patreon from Starburns Audio, and it stars Tim Robbins, Jack Black, Thomas Lennon, and Patton Oswalt, just to name a few. And it is prescient. You are not going to want to miss that discussion. And finally, I will be reading the good news submissions with Amy Carrero at the end of the show. Uh, so I'm, I, but we have so many headlines to get to, and uh, let's get started. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. The lead story for you today comes from the Washington Post, and it reads: The FBI revealed Thursday that it thwarted a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer unsealing charges against six people who said they they contemplated a violent overthrow of the government as state authorities charged seven more who said they wanted to attack police and ignite a civil war. The plotters, according to an FBI affidavit, seem to be motivated by their belief that uh, the state government, including Michigan, um, Michigan state government, were violating the Constitution. One of these involved, um, one of those involved complained uh, in June that Whitmer was controlling the opening of gyms, an apparent reference to coronavirus shutdown restrictions. But unbeknown to them, the FBI had confidential informants infiltrating their group, recording many of their discussions, wearing wires. President Trump has been publicly critical of Michigan's leaders because of the state-imposed measures to stem the spread of coronavirus, tweeting in April, liberate Michigan. So if you're wondering what caused this Officials announced the charges uh, today and also hinted that the nation's toxic political climate could be to blame, though they did not single out Trump. According to federal and state officials, the plotters were extremists who who considered a range of actions to foment mayhem. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel said uh, her office had charged seven people who were linked to the militia group called Wolverine Watchmen, um, and they were uh, providing material support to terrorists and other related offenses. They were planning and training to attack law enforcement officers at the state capitol and ignite a civil war. The FBI said in their affidavit that they became aware uh, that people were discussing an overthrow of the government from social media postings early in 2020. And in June, two of those ultimately charged met with more than a dozen others in Ohio to discuss, quote, creating a society that followed the U.S. Bill of Rights and where they could be self-sufficient. 
In that meeting, the FBI alleged the group discussed both peaceful and violent tactics and ultimately decided they needed to increase their numbers. One in the group, Adam Fox, then contacted a local militia group that the FBI had already been monitoring with a confidential informant uh, over concern that it was plotting to kill police officers, according to the affidavit. And uh, they and others continued to meet throughout June, including at a Second Amendment rally in Lansing. And in a June 14th call, according to the affidavit, Fox talked of needing 200 men to storm the Capitol building in Lansing to take hostages, including Whitmer. He said they would try Whitmer for treason before the election in November. They were going to kidnap her and take her away to an undisclosed location to have a trial, quote unquote. The group tried to evade detection as well. And at one point, they met in the basement of a shop that was accessible through a trap door hidden under a rug and turning their cell phones over to Fox, who this guy, Adam Fox, not Fox News, who put them in a box and took them upstairs. Now, they also used encrypted apps <laughs> and code words, <laughs> but they should learn by now not to use encrypted apps because the FBI has all those. An informant nonetheless wore a wire and recorded them all. <laughs> Several members of the group participated in firearms training, and in July, they attempted to make and test improvised explosive devices, IEDs. Those devices ultimately did not detonate as planned, though Andrew Burge, the U.S. attorney for the Western District of Michigan, said the group later detonated one of them. In addition to talking about storming the state capitol, the group discussed shooting up Whitmer's vacation home or trying to abduct her or quote-unquote cap her as she left there or her official summer residence. Uh, in July, according to the affidavit, Fox told conf a confidential informant that he had narrowed down his attack targets to the vacation home and the summer residence, and that he and others twice conducted surveillance at the vacation home. In September, according to the affidavit, Fox and others drove to the area surrounding the residence and discussed detonating explosives to divert police, even checking the underside of a bridge for spots to place a charge. Those charged federally were identified as Fox, Barry Croft, Ty Garbin, Caleb Franks, Daniel Harris, and Brandon Caserta. Uh, Those facing state charges were identified as Paul Beller, 21, Sean Fix, 38, Eric Molitor, 36, Michael Null, 38, William Null, 38, Pete Musico, 42, and Joseph Morrison, also 42. So that's terrifying. And you're going to see... I'm going to actually talk to Tim Robbins about that later in the show, uh, coming up after this next break. But first, it's time for the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted! No, wait, it's going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! Hold it, they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! The D.C. District Court has charged former Deputy RNC Finance Chair Elliot Broidy with conspiracy to act as a foreign agent today in connection to the Jolo and Pras Michelle 1MDB case we've been following for over a year now. Uh, he lobbied the Trump administration on behalf of Malaysian and Chinese interests, an indication he is likely to soon plead guilty in the case to resolve the allegations against him. Looks like he's going to cooperate. Prosecutors unsealed the 31-page information against Broidy on Thursday, outlining how they believe he took millions in undisclosed money to end a U.S. investigation into Malaysian corruption and, separately, to return outspoken Chinese exile Guo Wangwei to his home country. A criminal, uh, a criminal information is a type of charging document typically reserved for those who have agreed to plead guilty in a case. This is, uh, and we've talked to Joyce Vance about this on the show, too, uh, criminal information charges. So that's they're, he's cooperating. Um, Broidy de has declined to comment, uh, so has his lawyers. 
Uh, last month, we reported that federal prosecutors were zeroing in on Broidy after one of his business associates, Nikki Davis, pleaded guilty and agreed to cooperate. The allegations against Broidy are very similar to hers. Prosecutors said in the charges against Broidy that he and others orchestrated back-channel unregistered campaigns to influence the administration, though their efforts were ultimately unsuccessful. Broidy, according to the information, previous court documents and people familiar with the matter, directly made entreaties to high-level people in the Trump administration or others close to it, including Trump's then-chief of staff, Reince Priebus, his former, former deputy campaign chairman, Rick Gates, and the president himself. During the 2016 campaign, Broidy, a Los Angeles-based investor, helped corral big donors to support Trump's campaign. After the election, he was appointed to serve as national deputy finance chair for the RNC. Broidy resigned from that position in April 2018 in the wake of a report he had paid a former Playboy model $1.6 million in exchange for her silence about a sexual affair. She also had an abortion. Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, another RNC fundraiser and another deputy RNC finance chair, helped arrange the settlement. Broidy acknowledged at the time. The charges against Broidy are the latest blow to the RNC's fundraising leadership under Trump. Cohen also, as I said, served as the deputy finance chair of the RNC, resigned his position in June 2018, several months uh, before he pleaded guilty to bank fraud, tax evasion, and campaign finance violations committed on Trump's behalf. And Trump is named in that indictment as an unindicted co-conspirator. Well, individual one. He's not named. He's individual one. Steve Wynn a close Trump confidant and former casino executive, served as the party's first finance chairman under Trump, but resigned in January 2018 after he was accused of sexual harassment and assault. Accusations he has denied. The investigation of Broidy is tied to a massive probe of theft from a Malaysian government development fund that has come to be known as 1MDB. We've talked about this a lot. In previous civil and criminal cases, federal prosecutors have alleged that stolen money that was made that made its way into the United States was used to buy pricey real estate and even fund the movie The Wolf of Wall Street. At the center of the case is Joe Lowe. We've talked about him. He was indicted in 2018 and accused of funneling tens of millions of dollars into the U.S. in part to get the investigation dropped. Jolo, who is facing multiple federal indictments, is believed to be in China, outside the reach of U.S. authorities, and he's denied the allegations. Jolo, according to documents filed in connections with Davis's plea and people familiar with the matter, was funding Broidy's lobbying efforts, both to get one M- the 1MDB investigation dropped and to get Guao sent back to China. Guao is a vocal online critic of that country's government and is wanted by authorities in Beijing on charges of fraud uh, and blackmail and bribery. Uh, he's denied those charges and said they're politically motivated. In the past few years, Guao has uh, been closely aligned with Steve Bannon, Trump's former campaign chief and top White House strategist. Bannon was on Guao's yacht off the coast of Westport, Connecticut, when Bannon was arrested last month on charges by the mail, the uh, mail police, the post U.S. Postal uh, Police, on charges he defrauded donors to a group that claimed to be building a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. Davis admits she, along with Broidy and former Fuji's rapper Pras Michelle, met with the Chinese official in 2017, and the official asked for Broidy's help convincing the U.S. to send Guao back to China. Broidy then made entreaties to top-level Trump administration officials, enlisted the help of Wynn, according to the documents, and people with knowledge of the case. An attorney for Wynn says his client is cooperating with investigators. Pras Michelle, who was charged in connection with separate dealings with Jolo, has also denied wrongdoing. Broidy also sought to convince officials to drop the 1MDB investigation. This is according to documents and people. Davis acknowledged she helped route an $8 million retainer to Broidy for the influence campaign and that Lowe, Jolo, offered to pay $75 million if he was successful. 
as part of a contract with Broidy's wife's law firm in the 1MDB case. <laughs> so law firm A is Broidy's wife's firm. Person A is Pras Michelle. And foreign, and foreign national A is Jolo in, in the indictment or in the charging document, if you read it. According to the documents filed with Davis's plea and people familiar with the matter, Broidy met with Trump in the White House of October 2017 and told others that he raised the subject of 1MDB. In the criminal information against Broidy, prosecutors allege Broidy asked the president whether he would play golf with then-Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak, who was convicted on charges in Malaysia related to the 1MDB scandal and sentenced to 12 years in prison. Razak has denied wrongdoing as well. No golf game took place, though Razak did have an official meeting with Trump. So... That's your fantasy indictment league for today. Speaking of Trump, he has pulled out of the next debate. He doesn't like the rules. They were going to do it virtually because he has COVID. So <laughs> the debate commission said, we're going to do this virtually. Trump said, no, nope, not going to do it. And he's backed out. Uh, Biden has announced he will do his own town hall on October 15th in Pennsylvania. And Sidney Powell filed a 40-page motion to get, again, to get Sullivan to recuse himself from the case, saying he's biased and uh, palpable bias, and it's you, you can smell it in the room. It's just absolutely the most insanely written thing. I was going to read the whole thing and go over it with you today, uh, but then the Broidy stuff broke, and then, of course, the Governor Whitmer stuff broke, and then I got two sentences into this fucking thing, and I said, I can't read the rest of this shit. It is, <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Read it if you like. I recommend not. Um, it's... It's very special. And it's the same old arguments that we've already gone over. We've talked about on the show multiple times. None of them have any merit. It's bad. Um, the debate was last night. Uh, Kamala, if you watch the same debate I did, Kamala destroyed him. He didn't answer one single question. The only question she didn't answer was whether or not she was going to, quote, unquote, pack the courts, her and Biden, which is really expand the courts, what the Republicans have been doing is packing the courts with totally uh, unqualified shit nominees, which she brought up in the debate. And I'm glad that she refused to answer that question because that's a point of leverage for this campaign. That's a point of leverage to be able to say, hey, we won't pack the courts. You don't nominate Amy Coney Barrett. And if they say they're going to expand the court, then they burn that point of leverage. So... That's why they're not answering the question, and I agree with them. Uh, the fly, of course. You all know about that. Um, I hope Jeff Goldblum plays Pence <laughs> this weekend on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Brundle fry gold. <laughs> it's a, that was, the, I think, the most talked, talked about thing after the debate. Um, but uh, Harris did an, an incredible job. And to, to be a woman and a woman of color and to have to thread that needle, I shared so many tweets about this, of coming off as strong and confident but not, you know, bitchy or shill or whatever terms people use to, you know, paint women into a corner in meetings. We've all been through it. She just did an incredible job. That was a clinic on how to, how to handle it, and she did brilliantly. And um, hands down won that debate. And uh, here's something weird. Trump asked doctors at Walter Reed last November to sign NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. That was when he had that weird mystery 
the trip to Walter Reed where he said he was getting phase one of his annual checkup, never got phase two, and you can get your annual checkup at the White House. Nobody's quite sure why he went, though there's been lots of speculation about it. But when he got there, he had the doctor sign an NDA. Two of them refused to do so, and so they weren't able to treat him. I think that's of note. I'm sure it mostly had to do with, you know, don't tell anyone why I'm here. Don't say anything bad about Trump. Which is superfluous, right? Because of, because of HIPAA, it's, it's your decision what information is released about your health. So it just seems odd. We'll have more on that as the story develops. And Nancy Pelosi has announced a press conference today, uh, Friday, 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time, to discuss forming a congressional commission regarding the 25th Amendment. And right after that, Pence canceled his trip to Indiana today. He's in Phoenix right now. Uh, or he was in Phoenix Thursday. Time is weird. We record on Thursdays. The show comes out on Friday. But I don't know if those two things are related. If Trump is really sick and Pence has to go back because of the 25th Amendment. Or if something else is going on. If, if maybe... I, I mean, Pence tested negative for COVID this morning, Thursday morning. But maybe he has since had a positive test. I don't know. That's all speculation. Everyone's wondering. Maybe he was using one of those Abbott tests. I mean, we already know the White House wasn't testing properly. The president and the White House admitted the president wasn't tested daily. I don't I don't imagine Pence was. Biden tested negative again today, by the way. All right. Well, those are the headlines there. There might be more. We'll go over them <laughs> this weekend if there are. But for now, we'll be right back with the one and only Tim Robbins. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Plush Care. Now more than ever, you shouldn't put off seeing a doctor, especially if you're not feeling well, especially during the pandemic. And I know that with everything going on, it can be difficult to put your health first, but that's why I use Plush Care. Plush Care provides primary and urgent health care through virtual appointments, and scheduling an appointment, even for the same day, is really, really easy. You just pick a slot, couple of clicks, bam, you're booked online. So I don't waste any time on hold on the phone or sitting in a crowded doctor's office, which isn't safe right now. And with my Plush Care membership, I can see my doctor from the comfort of my own home, wearing my jammies if I want. And with Plush Care, I can get diagnosed, treated, and even have a prescription sent to my local pharmacy, all within minutes. And if I have any questions before or after my visit, I can send unlimited messages to my care team, anytime. And Plush Care accepts most major insurance carriers, and it's available in all 50 states. And with how difficult things are, if you're feeling anxious or depressed or stressed about what's going on in the world, uh, Plush Care doctors are here to help by discussing treatment options and providing prescriptions as needed. I can tell you personally, my Plush Care experience has been a breeze. Signing up was very, very easy. It only took a minute. Uh, and it's just as easy to schedule an appointment online, and the entire process has been so convenient. Plus, I was immediately comfortable and felt confident with my doctor because all plush care doctors graduated from one of the top 50 medical schools in the United States, and they're all highly rated by their patients. So I get this just great peace of mind that I'm getting the highest quality health care. Plush Care makes it easy for me to get excellent care when I need it. And with Plush Care, I don't put off seeing a doctor, and neither should you. So no more excuses. Make your appointment today. Go to plushcare.com slash dailybeans. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash dailybeans. Again, plushcare.com slash dailybeans.
All right. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I am honored to be joined by Academy Award winning actor, screenwriter, producer and musician, best known for his portrayal as Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption. And now the writer and director and producer of the new cinematic podcast series, Babo Supreme. Please welcome Tim Robbins to The Daily Beans. Tim, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Allison. No problem at all. So I, first of all, want to talk about how you assembled this incredible cast for this podcast series, because you've got Jack Black, Haley Joel Osment, Patton Oswalt, a hero of mine, Thomas Lennon, another hero of mine. How did you put this whole thing together? What prompted it? Well, um, I, I started writing this uh, last summer, uh, not this past summer, but the summer before. And we were uh, getting ready uh, with Adam McKay to go out and find financing to make a movie out of it in the spring for a fall release. And then something happened. Um, people stopped making movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so we we're all locked down and I, I wanted to do it still. So I started adapting it to be um, an oral entertainment. But I wanted to make it, you know, with, um, you know, with the same aesthetic as a film. Uh, and... Uh, so I wanted it to have motion and uh, all kinds of sound effects. And, uh, you know, the set of the White House needed to be many different rooms, different environments that he keeps going in and out of. And uh, so part of what I wanted to do also with it was work with friends, you know, uh, call them up and uh, say, hey, you know, I got this crazy script. You, you, you want to read it? And everybody I sent it to came, got right back to me and said, I'm in. And um, it was really exciting. Uh, and, and so it was just, we got 30 people together. Uh, we had about 35 different locations where people were. Uh, and uh, when we did it live, there were about 30 of the actors there. And um, so it was all being uh, done remotely. Uh, some people were in, you know, their closets with the, uh, Carrie Kenny was in a, a closet with, with a sign outside saying, do not disturb. She said, I, I felt like I'm, I was like 14 years old again. You know? <laughs> Seven minutes in heaven, yeah. <laughs> Some privacy in my room, right? Um, so <clears throat> we, we recorded it all, uh, and then we uh, started editing. And I thought it was going to take you know three weeks or so. And then I realized it's as intricate as a film. It has to have the detail. It has to, uh, you have to use the same kind of uh, discipline you use when you're editing a film. And so it took about six weeks to edit. We were rushing to get it done because, you know, uh, stuff as as we're editing, stuff was starting to come true. So I wanted to make sure that people knew this was written before and uh, <laughs> that um, that we were, uh, you know, that this was a uh, satire based on on what I believed would happen. And, and here it is happening. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk for a minute about things starting to come true, uh, because just today, uh, at the, as this premieres, as Babo Supreme premieres, one of the under, I think the, I haven't listened to, I've only listened to the first two episodes, I'm still uh, going through it, but it seems like the underlying crisis that this quote-unquote president is dealing with is uh, a white nationalist militia taking over the Michigan State House. And as I'm listening this morning uh, to these episodes, across my desk, uh, well, my virtual desk, comes a story that the FBI has thwarted a plot and, and indicted five people to kidnap, kill, try for treason, and otherwise commit arson uh, with full combat-style militia training against uh, Whitmer, the governor of, it's, of Michigan. It's, I was like, oh, okay, and you wrote this over a year ago. 
Yes. Now, when you heard that news this morning, how, what were your thoughts? <laughs> I was like, well, <clears throat> that's, um, <laughs> I, I guess they're helping us out or, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, if, uh, this is something that I think I've, I've been fearing would happen for a couple of years now is, is that if you're throwing out those dog whistles to white nationalists, if you're um, doing what Trump has been doing, inevitably this will happen. Inevitably people will take the law into their own hands. When you're, when you're being irresponsible with your position as president and you're sending out messages to these people that are effectively uh, American terrorists, uh, it, it's only a matter of time before they feel empowered enough or um, uh, quote unquote um, oppressed enough to take the law into their own hands. Uh, and so um, it's, it's scary. It's still out there. It's, it's a, um, a, a viable threat. Um, one of the first things that Trump did was he dissolved the, the, uh, uh, um, the part of the government that looks after that, monitors white nationalist organizations, white supremacist organizations. Um, so he clearly, it's been a strategy from the start with him. Um, to uh, appeal to that base from Charlottesville on when he said, uh, you know, there's good people on both sides, I mean, Nazis being one of them. And so uh, I don't think this is an accident. I don't think he's just dumb or anything. I think this has been a strategy from the start. I think he knows what his base is and he's been appealing to that base. Unfortunately, when you're president of the United States, you're supposed to represent everybody in the country, regardless of their political party. But he has not done that. He is from the start. Um, baited these people into this kind of uh, act activism that uh, is super dangerous for our country. But so the disinformation surrounding this uh, news that we're getting today about uh, Governor Whitmer is astounding, right? Because the Department of Homeland Security Intelligence Agency is the one who should be warning everybody about this. Uh, and the DHS is currently being illegally operated by uh, Chad Wolf and Ken Cuccinelli. And we've had the the intel officer for DHS blow the whistle recently, Murphy, uh, who's who's been resigned. And, of course, Trump is gutting it and telling them, telling them it's not Russia, it's China, it's not white nationalism, it's Antifa. We need you to put out these fake reports. So, I mean, Bill Barr had to know about this. It's just absolutely it blows my mind sitting here contemplating who knew and didn't tell us. Let's just say the word. It's treasonous. It is. It is treasonous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in, in Babo Supreme, there are these satirical moments where advisors to Babo, the president, are saying, you know, this is they're trying to over, overthrow elected officials. You know, this is bad. We have to deal with this. And he's making jokes, laughing, ignoring, doing all the things that Trump does, saying he knows better and he knew first, et cetera. It's absolutely incredibly prescient what you've put together. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's it's. Um... You know, I, uh, part of the part of the reason I wanted to do it was um, that uh, I feel satire is an, a, a great weapon um, against hypocrisy and against this kind of outrageous uh, form of government that 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 uh, Trump has uh, instituted. Um, I have a strong belief that laughter is a great medicine for people that are going through this, that are looking at their daily news shows and getting uh, overwhelmed by the um, just the incredible bad news that is coming out. This truly um, 
outrageous uh, uh, behavior of this administration. Yeah. And um, I believe that art is important. I think that art is, is something that can um, put people like that in their place, that can illuminate a truth uh, and allow us to laugh through our struggle against it and empower us to, um, to fight more and for it to fight stronger against it. Um, you know, one of the things we're lacking right now is, is, is communal places, um, uh, movie theaters and theaters and uh, concert halls where we can collectively get together and understand that we're not alone. And that we can watch stories and, and, and hear songs and, and see material that reflects our lives. And, and we can feel part of a community. And part of my hope with Bible Supreme is that it can do that virtually. It can, it can um, uh, allow someone that it feels uh, uh, confused and desperate and alone and uh, wondering whether they're crazy uh, to, to know that they're not crazy, that, they're, that, that, that there are other people out there that, that uh, know what the danger is, that, that are trying to uh, fight against it and that they are part of a, a large, large community that opposes this. Yeah, and I, and I can tell you from experience, uh, you know, before I started the, the Muller She Wrote and Daily Beans podcast, I was a comic for 10 years, you know, working at the comedy store and the improv and all that. And uh, I needed, I felt like we needed to put together a news show that looked at this from a comedic standpoint. And, and you know, uh, comedy speaks truth to power. It always has. Going back to court jesters i think even probably even before that uh and so it was very important to me that we we give people we deliver the news with swears uh in a, in a way that it, that hopefully people can laugh at so that they can just get through it and so that is why i absolutely connect with and love uh this what you what you've put out and i want to talk to you about the songs uh this music is incredible and the soundscape by the way the sound editing is incredible too and tell me about these songs who wrote these songs um, I wrote the lyrics and my brother, David Robbins, uh, wrote the music. Um, I've been working with my brother for many years. Uh, we have a, a great shorthand. Uh, around March, I, I said, hey, Dave, I'm going to do this thing. Uh, I need some songs for it. I need you to do the score for it. And uh, he, he wrote right away. He, he came up with the, the tunes. Um, there was two songs that I found uh, incredibly offensive, even though I'd written them. Uh, <laughs> And I uh, didn't want to do the full songs because, uh, you know, one of our, you know, uh, David and I uh, uh, wrote the songs for Bob Roberts, this uh, satirical thing I did in 1992 about a Republican folk singer, a successful businessman uh, who is also a big fan of beauty pageants that was running for political office. And somehow that was prescient of the, the Trump era. But uh, we, when we were writing the songs, we, we had a contract with the, the producers and the studio that we would not and never release the soundtrack. We would never release those songs because I didn't want to hear them played out of context. And here we have a couple uh, songs in this thing that are, you know, I, I, I realize they have to be interrupted. So you'll hear in later episodes, I think you heard one of them, um, that is inter that where the backup singers change the words of, of the of the song of uh, these uh, called "Black People Love Me," um, uh, and uh, Bobble gets very very upset by that. But there's a, a later song called "Wheat from the Chaff," which is about uh, immigration, and um, 
it's you know it was so offensive that I, I, I you know there's only a one verse and one chorus and then he uh, Babo in a, a fit of anger uh, tasers uh, the clarinet player um, so uh, I had to I had to produce these interruptions in these songs but the other three um, Babo is love is uh, subtitled uh, 1984. So it's, um, it's, uh, you know, Babo's love, Babo is uh, strength, Babo is uh, freedom, Babo is, uh, so it's, it's, you know, hate, love is hate, freedom is slavery, uh, war is peace, and, uh, and, you know, uh, ignorance is strength. And so Babo is strength is the name of the song is really Babo is ignorance. And, um, and then there's a big production number at the at the very end where he uh, is kind of a big Las Vegas number with horns and uh, it, it's called Manifest Destiny and it's the big finale um, but uh, you know Dave had to do this all by himself you know he he, he uh, had to record all the music by himself there were there were no there were no studio musicians <laughs> there was no way to get into a studio so my brother's quite brilliant in in being able to be uh quite um, um, being able to adapt to this, the obstacles. That was one of the fun things about this was that there were so many obstacles to overcome. And it was, it was in, in overcoming the obstacles, I've always found that there's, there can be great creativity if you don't resist it. If you, if you have humility in the midst of your obstacle, it, it can actually lead to something better. So you, so you called Michigan, but your brother with his song, uh, Babo is Strength. Is that what it's called? Babo is Strength? Yeah. Uh, today, this morning, uh, Senator Mike Lee, he's, you know, on the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, tweeted out um, something that to me just sounds straight out of your brother's head. He, he tweeted, and this, this is frightening, he tweeted, democracy is not the objective. Liberty, peace, and prosperity are the objective. We want the human condition to flourish. Rank democracy can thwart that. End of tweet. Uh, you know, uh, these guys aren't very good at hiding it. I mean, it's, you know, at least in the past, we had politicians that, you know, would throw out dog whistles and then deny it. But mm. these guys are just, they're, they're just naked out in front of us, uh, revealing themselves. And um, we should listen. We should really listen. Mm. Even Pence last night, again, refusing to condemn white supremacy, talking, sharing Russian intelligence that was debunked by the Senate Intelligence Committee about Hillary making up the entire Russia thing. It's just absolutely bananas that they are using our Senate and our debates to launder this disinformation into our ears. And it's it's frightening. And they know I, they're losing. Yeah. They yeah. know they're losing big. Mm hmm. And uh, it's going to be really embarrassing for them. And that's why, you know, that's, of course, why the strategy is, well, it, these it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of voter, you know, fraud, you know, but of course, they're, of course, they're doing that. Mm -hmm. It's setting up a, a, a showdown on election day. Mm -hmm. And in the in the later episodes, uh, we deal with that. In the later episodes, uh, Baba talks to a, uh, on his uh, Rose Garden morning show in his White House, one of the sets in his White House. He's got many sets. He's got the Rose Garden morning show. He's got his game show called Losers, Losers Suck. Uh, he's got a recording studio. Uh, but on this morning show, he says, you know, uh, bring your guns to the polls. Uh, we're going to win all 50 states. He calls out his militias and he says, you know, we got to 
intimidate the voters. And um, I would not be surprised if that happens. He's already called for it publicly several times. Yeah. Well, would you tell everyone where they can find uh, Babo Supreme? Because everyone needs to listen to this. Babo Supreme is on Patreon. Uh, Tim Robbins presents. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I think the first episode everyone can hear, or is that, do I have that First right? episode is free, and then there's four more okay. episodes. One is out this week. Uh, so there's two out this week, uh, and then one, two more come out next week, and then the final episode comes out the following week. Well, I'm very interested to see how you end this, and I'm also very interested to see how it ends in real life. So thank you so much for joining me today. Tim Robbins, everybody check out Babo Supreme on Patreon. I appreciate you talking to me today. Thanks, Allison. Thanks for having me. Everybody, we'll be right back with Democratic candidate for the House in Virginia's 1st District, Kazem Rashid, with some disturbing breaking news about his Republican opponent. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG for The Daily Beans. During these economically turbulent times, everyone's looking for a way to feel more financially secure. So if you're still needlessly throwing money down the drain at high-interest credit card debt, it's time you checked out Upstart. This is the revolutionary online lending platform that knows you're more than just a credit score. Now's the time to find out how low your Upstart rate can be to help pay off high-interest credit card debt. Unlike other lenders, Upstart can reward you based on your education and job history, who you are as a person, in the form of a smarter interest rate. You don't need a degree or a diploma to apply, though. Upstart lets you skip going to the bank because it's completely online, so it's safe. You get to stay at home. And they offer loans from $1,000 to $50,000, so you can consolidate your debt in one easy fixed-rate payment. Upstart makes it fast and simple to check your rate. It's not a hard pull on your credit to check your rate. It's just a soft pull, so it won't affect your credit score. The hard pull doesn't happen unless you accept your rate and proceed with your application. The best part, if the loan's approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards to meet their financial goals. So free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt and get back to using the money, your money, the way you want with Upstart. See why Upstart has a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash dailybeans to find out how low your Upstart rate can be. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Your loan amount will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided on your loan application. Not all applicants will qualify for the full amount. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time to flip it blue. I'm blue. And joining me today, I didn't think you'd be back so soon, but joining me today, we're going to flip it blue again because we have new details coming out in this race, is the Democratic candidate for Virginia's 1st District for the U.S. House of Representatives, Qasem Rashid. Qasem, welcome back. It's good to be back, and it's good to be back so soon. <laughs> it's really nice to talk to you again. I enjoy uh, speaking with you, although these circumstances are kind of troubling. Actually, they're incredibly troubling. I, I, I shouldn't downplay it because you have just found out something recently about your opponent, Whitman, in your race for Virginia's First. Can you, can you tell us what, what you've uncovered? Sure. Uh, this was sent to us by a number of people. Look, you know, we've already seen a campaign where the whole subtext of his mailers, his TV ads, is to attack me for my faith, time it Islamic terrorism, all sorts of nonsense. And he's doing this in the most expensive or one of the most expensive media markets in the country. Um, and, you know, it's clear he wouldn't do this if I was John Doe, you know, the, the white Christian guy. But everything he's putting out there includes words like ISIS and terrorism and radical. He's you know, avoiding the issues. Now we're finding out that a PAC, 
has been started, a federal PAC, by uh, someone who is apparently a uh, registered sex offender uh, who is supporting uh, Whitman. And the initial filings uh, in the FEC said that it was authorized by Whitman. Um, and this PAC is based out of Colorado. And uh, Whitman has said that, no, those filings weren't accurate. I have not authorized this. But what's just, there's just a lot of coincidences here. Um, you know, they're encouraging folks to text Rob 2020 to a Virginia phone number. Uh, this can even be found in the terms and conditions of the PAC website. Um, and, and this pack isn't actually, it's a Muslim pack, which is the craziest part. It's, it's a, a Muslim pack that supports my opponent that is attacking me because I belong to a different sect of Islam than they do. So they're, they're bringing in this, like this fringe group is bringing in this bizarre sectarian nonsense, uh, and is run by, <laughs> this is the craziest part, by a registered sex offender, a child sex offender at that. Yeah. In fact, it was some texts have been sent to me that are coming out from this pack uh, to Muslims in District 1, Congressional District 1, Democratic candidate, Qasem Rashid, uh, a former mem- former sect spokesperson, equated mainstream Muslims to terrorists. Mainstream Muslims, they're using that term, whatever the hell that is, uh, reject hate, vote against. It's absolutely bizarre. Uh First of all, that this is even a thing and it's funded and that they are actually using it to send out these kind of weird hate messages to um, to constituents in your district. It's it's bizarre to it's, me. It's a niche, weird situation. And, uh, you know, like I said, they want them to text Rob 2020. And um, what's also bizarre is that Whitman hasn't denounced them. He's not distancing themselves from him. He just said, yeah, I didn't authorize it. But he hasn't put out any statements. And, and by the way, he sent out like 30 to 35 texts saying, no, no, it's not authorized. But at not once has he denounced the attacks on my faith. Uh, not once have any of his 30 plus tweets uh, um, addressing this issue, uh, you know, denounced the sex offender. Um, not once has he distanced himself uh, at all. And he probably won't because, again, you know, for him, this has been kind of a pattern of behavior. Right? Earlier this year, you'll recall, remember when that whole story broke about Republicans buying themselves stock uh, to, to, to benefit themselves? Well, he was one of them. He bought pharmaceutical stock in a COVID-19 drug the same day that Evie announced they're working on a drug with, uh, with China. And then he told us that uh, the virus is low risk and not spreading. With the military, every single time the president has called them suckers and losers or mocked traumatic brain injury, or we know that they're putting bounties on the heads of our service members, he has uh, claimed that he didn't hear about it or he doesn't know what's going on or he's just avoided it. So it's a very weird situation. And it all just it kind of just hinges around the fact that he does not want to, one, face accountability for this really you know, bizarre nonsense, and two, uh, he's trying to distract from his own abysmal record, which is why for him, you know, even if it's a fringe group run by a registered sex offender attacking me for my faith, um, he'll stay silent on it and he won't distance himself from that group. Yeah, well, the fish rots from the head, right? This is exactly reminds me of, of uh, Trump refusing to specifically denounce white supremacists or to distance himself. I don't know Papadopoulos. He was a coffee boy. Rudy Giuliani, we were friends a long time ago. Like, this is just a pattern of behavior that comes out of this entire party, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, attitude is a reflection of leadership and um, and everything that we've seen. I mean, even uh, even now with um, with what the president has enabled, 
um, you're seeing Republicans like my opponent um, taking really bizarre positions on things that should be a slam dunk. Uh, just you know, two weeks ago, Congresswoman Meng introduced a non-binding zero-cost resolution to condemn anti-Asian racism. And my opponent objected. He opposed it. Uh, as if condemning anti-Asian racism is, uh, is a problem for some reason for him. Um, this is the same guy who, when there was a vote to add a statue of Thurgood Marshall, uh, the first black Supreme Court justice, he objected, he voted no. Uh, and then when there was a vote to remove the statue of Justice Taney, who you'll recall in the Dred Scott decision ruled that black Americans are subhuman and therefore don't qualify for constitutional protection, he voted no, we need to protect the statue. Uh, so, you know, I, I, it's a certain point where you realize that these aren't isolated incidences. This is just a pattern of behavior that reflect the kind of person that he is. And I'm just I can't believe I have to say these words that that my opponent is not denouncing these fringe individuals run by a registered sex offender. Uh, that the fact that that's difficult for him to do is just very weird, is deeply concerning. And I just think it's contrary to what uh, what we should even be talking about right now. Yeah. And not denouncing him. Is a is a not only it's illegally it's a it legally it's a bad move because you know if there are any connections between his campaign and this pack or coordination between his campaign and this pack that's a campaign finance felony and 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 I don't understand why he just you I mean aside from the absolute xenophobic and insanity of what he's saying to denounce it it's also criminally not a good look for him but i mean we don't have any evidence that he's coordinating with this pack he said but he's you know just to not denounce it is very odd yeah i and and, and now i want to be clear about that that uh what i'm just basing it off of is just what we know we, we don't know if he's coordinating but we, what we do know is that the original filings said that he authorized it uh that the website itself said that uh, they support him wholly uh that even the texts are his name the terms and conditions had his name in there um, and, and again, this is from a, a registered sex offender uh, asking people to text to a Virginia number in support of him. Um, it, look, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't denounce that. It's, that's the shocking part to me. Yeah, at the very least, if you're, even if you're not coordinating with them and you're not breaking any campaign finance laws, why wouldn't you say, take my name off your stuff, you registered child sex offender and xenophobic people? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But yeah. what does kind of make sense is that he, it seems like he's trying to move this, uh, this race away, away from the issues, which he cannot win on. And so I wanted you again to discuss some of the main differences, uh, because we should be focusing on what's important to the constituents in your district, not, you know, do you know what I mean? So can we talk about that for a minute? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think he's seeing the polling. I mean, just tell you, I got a note from a woman who said that uh, they drove by a Trump sign and, and noticed that somebody had put all my signs around it. And her Republican husband uh, made them pull a U-turn to go and congratulate the person putting up the Rashid signs and saying that uh, you got my vote as a Republican. Um, and I think he's seen that because they're seeing what we're fighting for on the issues, broadband. Uh, in 13 years, my opponent hasn't passed a single bill on broadband internet. He's taken 100 grand from big telecom, but not a single broadband bill. We wanna make broadband a utility, make it accessible, to all people. We know this strategy works. Um, healthcare, we believe in healthcare as a human right. He's voted 40 times to repeal the ACA. And even now during this pandemic, wants to repeal the ACA and kick off 20 million people from healthcare. The environment, we've been endorsed by uh, the Sierra Club and Sunrise Virginia, Sunrise National. He's got a 3% score 
on uh, the environment because all of his policies result in poisoned water, poisoned land, and poisoned air. Um, racial justice. Uh, we have been uh, consistently working with every single Black Lives Matter racial justice uh, organization out there. That's what I do as a living, uh, for my living as a human rights lawyer. He has a 10% score from the NAACP, women's rights. Um, in fact, tonight we have a debate by, uh, hosted by the League of Women Voters, and he's backed out. He's not willing to show up to defend his record on women's rights because it's been just abysmal. And, and, you know, I bring up all these things. I don't really see these as left or right leaning issues. I mean, things like broadband and healthcare and clean water, it seems like a pretty basic human rights issue. Right. And, and I think that's where he's struggling because he's trying to paint me as this left wing, you know, whatever. Uh, even I, I think I told you last time he even photoshopped a Bernie logo on my face mask to make me look more Bernie esque. I don't know. Bernie, Bernie style. I don't know what the right word for it is. But, um, but again, like Bernie's the most popular center, senator in the country. So I don't think you really thought that one through. But in any case, um, we're so focused on just getting these issues addressed that the folks need addressed. And he's so focused in trying to tie me to terrorism that now, uh, one way or another, he's attracted people who are registered sex offenders. I mean, that's really the difference in our campaigns right now. I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. And, and trying to tie you to uh, progressive values is, is not a winning strategy. It's, you know, oh, they, they're trying to destroy us. Yes, we're trying to destroy you with, you know, free health care and free college and, uh, you know, all sorts of terrible, terrible things like that. Yes. <laughs> Connect us to that, please. Can you imagine the horror of, of getting sick and not having to go into medical bankruptcy? I mean, that would mm. be a terrible thing, wouldn't it? I would need a fainting couch. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, when you when you think about their opposition to the Affordable Care Act in court right now, yep. we have almost eight million people having been in, uh, infected by the coronavirus. And we do not yet know the long term effects of this disease. That's a, that could be an additional eight to 10 million people with pre-existing conditions that would be shut out of health care as it stands. And, and for, you know, for the Republicans to keep saying over and over again, we have a plan, we have an excellent plan, and to not give that plan at all, it's just clear that they don't have a leg to stand on on the issues. They don't. And, and you know, Mike Pence was asked about that in the debate multiple times, and the only answer he could give was we have a plan. It's just the height of absurdity and hypocrisy for the president to get world-class health care that's socialized medicine. Let's be sure Walter Reed is a socialized hospital um, and then uh, brag about how wonderful the healthcare was and then demonize, you know, universal healthcare as, uh, as, as socialism. Uh, I mean, it's absurd hypocrisy. And, and it's not just the hypocrisy that bothers me. It's the fact that people are dying. I mean, right now people are dying. Their lives are being destroyed. And they're, the, the GOP right now, folks like my opponent, have the audacity to not only deny health care, but to actively repeal it in the worst pandemic that's hit our country in 100 years. Um, again, you know, it just speaks to their lack of connection with what people actually need. They're so hyperpartisan and so focused on power that they forgot about the basic principles guaranteed in our Constitution that ensure life, liberty, the uh, pursuit of happiness, that ensure equal justice, that ensure um, this principle of promoting the general welfare. It's kind of gone all out the window for the simple premise of maintaining power. Well, we definitely need to send you to United States Congress uh, on behalf of Virginia's First. So can you tell our listeners again, uh, please, where they can support you financially, where they can contribute, where they can volunteer, text bank, phone bank, send postcards? How can they help your campaign? 
Absolutely, Allison. Uh, and this is crunch time. So, you know, the, the support we get in now is going right back out the door to to get us, uh, you know, or keep us on TV and make sure that um, we're able to continue to get the message out there. Um, uh, our website is rashidforva.com, R-A-S-H-I-D-F-O-R-V-A.com. And um, you can contrib contribute there. You can volunteer there. Uh, and if you really want to get involved quickly uh, as a volunteer, email us, organizing at rashidforva.com. And I'm pretty easy to find on social media. Just my name, Kasim Rashid, across all platforms. Awesome. Thanks so much for updating us uh, on this race and what's going on uh, with Whitman and his, uh, you know, super PAC there. We, I appreciate you uh, joining us again today. Everybody, Democratic candidate for Virginia's first district for U.S. House of Representatives, Kasim Rashid. Thanks again for joining us. Allison, it's a pleasure. Thank you, too. Everybody, we will be right back with the good news with Amy Carrero. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Daily Beans. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Caliper CBD. Life is extra stressful these days. We all need to practice self-care, but self-care shouldn't add to your stress. The great thing about CBD is that it helps you feel better without having to make drastic changes to your life. If you haven't tried CBD, I highly recommend it. It's helped me feel less anxious and more calm. I, I, it helped me sleep easier. It even helps me feel less sore after long days or hard workouts. My favorite thing about Caliper CBD specifically is that they've introduced a better way to consume CBD, which is a powder. Unlike CBD oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless and it mixes easily in any food or drink. And there are precisely 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD, so you'll never guess how much CBD you're taking again. I like to put some in my morning coffee or a post-workout protein shake. Uh, it's clinically proven, too, that you absorb 450% more CBD with Caliper CBD powder as compared to tinctures. Uh, and Caliper gives you all the benefits of CBD in just 15 minutes. That's about twice as fast as CBD oil. And Caliper is completely THC-free, so you get all the benefits of CBD without any intoxicating or mind-altering effects. Caliper is made with all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, no fillers, no added chemicals, and no artificial flavors. So take care of yourself, but also make it easy to do so with Caliper CBD. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And it's Friday, so joining me today for the good news is Voice of Shira, incredible woman, Amy Carrero. How are you, Amy? Hey, I'm good. I'm still in Canada. Can you believe it? Oh my God. <laughs> How is it? Great. It's good. People feel really bad for us. <laughs> People, yeah. Every time I'm like, oh, they're like, where are you visiting from? And I was like, Los Angeles. And they're like, oh. Uh, yeah. They're just like giving me this pity look. But. You know, it's good to know they're rooting for us. Yeah, yeah, they are. And um, I think, you know, mo I think most countries around the world can tell the difference between the American people and the American government. So true. We love the Canadians. Yes, we do. I love their cheese and their Molson ice and their moose and their hockey and, and everything about chips. them. Ketchup chips, poutine. And they're so friendly. I love them. All right. We have so many, well, we have confessions and 
some good news and some corrections today. Um, you and I'll take turns reading them. If you have any good news stories, listeners, that you want to send in, whether they're personal or political, or if you have confessions or corrections, just head to dailybeanspod.com and click contact. That's how you get your, your stuff into us. And uh, it's I'm excited. And also, uh, you can submit, um, if you're a patron, you can submit questions for Mary Trump, because we're going to be having a Q&A seventh episode of our Mary Trump book club. Um, coming up in about a week and a half. So I'm excited about that. So, yay. Uh, let's see. Anything else I need to go over? I don't think so. Let's just hit the good news, no. shall we? Yeah, let's hit it. Yeah. Without further ado. Word. First up, from Jonathan, pronouns he and him, uh, I see signs for friend of the Proud Boys and guy about to lose Governor Inslee, North Lauren Culp, around a lot. What? Somebody tagged one to read culo, Spanish for asshole, and now I laugh every time <laughs> I see them. <laughs> so instead of Lauren Culp, it's, it's Lauren Culo. I get it. Lauren Culo. I love that. <laughs> mm. Lauren asshole. You ain't got no, uh, no chance against Governor Inslee. Love that. I love when any any like Spanish representation is like making anybody laugh or feel good. It makes me mm. feel good. All right, cool. Okay, the next one we have a correction from Joshua. All the pronouns they say. A correction. Oh, how do you say that? <laughs> well, here we go. Wait, Jiwaga County is pronounced Giaga. Although I much prefer Lady Gaga County. Thanks for reading my good news story. Can Giaga. we just keep calling it Lady Gaga? Yeah, it's Giaga. We're going to call it Lady Gaga County. I, yeah. I appreciate Lady, it. Lady Giaga, if we're being like really fancy about it. And Kayaga and Kayahaga. Yeah, there was somebody wrote in from, um, from, the, <laughs> from that county in Ohio yesterday, and we were having a fun time trying to pronounce him. And I was born there. So thank you for the correction, Joshua. Uh, let's see here. Next up, from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hello from Battleground, Pennsylvania. This is partially good news, partially confession. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Uh, I've been listening for several years, ever since I heard a fellow Fed was hosting a resistance podcast. My story, when I uncurled from the fetal position on November 9th, 2016, I checked the calendar for the next election date and recoiled in horror when I saw November 3rd, because it's my birthday. Oh, no. From that day, I told everyone I knew I was adopting a new birthday, November 11th, which not only honored veterans, but was also a day off. Like you, I was a Fed at the time. And it was close to my legal birthday, so why not? For the past few years, everyone has rallied around my decision to change this date, I'm happy to say. I'm fully immune to hearing November 3rd tossed about carelessly. It used to bring me joy to hear that date, but the more I hear it, the more I know I made the right decision. Quite possibly, if Joe Biden has the definitive win I'm praying for, I might reclaim the date. But it's too early to tell. That would indeed be a happy ending. I'd love to know if other listeners share this birthday and what their thoughts are. Finally... In what might be the best news of all, I was able to retire from my federal job after 30-plus years, which was at the IRS. And so now to hear the revelations about the idiot clown president's taxes making me almost too giddy for words. Thank you for making every morning better. Ah, thank you, Anonymous. I'm with you because my birthday's January 20th, and that's Inauguration Day. Oh, my God. So we need Biden to make our birthdays great again. Yes, Biden. No pressure. Also, I feel like 11-11 is like a really great date anyway. You know what I mean? Like I maybe I fully support just like a permanent transition to this birthday because everyone remembers. I have a best friend born on 11-11. I'll never forget it. 
Never ever. Well, that's it. And that's it's the 11th day, the 11th hour. That's why it's Veterans Day. So it's that's why they do it oh, on November 11th. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay. Yes. The next one is from Andy G. He, him. I donated to a political campaign for the first time ever. Biden-Harris. I believe this election is that important. Also, I live in a ruby red district in Wisconsin. I mailed my ballot last week and got confirmation today that it was received by county officials, election officials already. Thanks for the kick-ass podcast, AG. You are amazing at this and good luck with the LSAT. Thank you, Andy G. I appreciate it. Um... That's so great. They already got your ballot. Yeah, I sent mine in. I got my little stub. I can track it online. I'm, I, the, the mailman, the mail person took it this morning. So I'm very excited. All right. Much excited. Very cool. Next up, Emily in Alaska. Pronouns she and her. Oh, there's photos. Oh, man, I can't wait. I'm not going to look. <laughs> I know. I know. I always do that. Like many folks during this pandemic, I focused on gardening and canning and generally trying to ensure a steady supply of food. This seems especially important since I live in Alaska, which is basically a large and poorly populated island. And you know, our government is severely dysfunctional. Don't even get me started on the Alaska state government. Total shit show. Anywho, I'm happy to report I have a mature apple tree and I've harvested over 300 pounds of apples. Whoa. Oh my gosh. Better yet, I found a new neighbor, friends with an uh, friends with an apple press and beautiful Biden Harris sign in their yard. Oh. Bonus. So now I'm rolling in apple jelly, apple cakes, apple butter, applesauce, apple chutney, and apple cider. Oh I'm also gosh. happily trading my apple goods for other fresh garden fixins from friends. Picks of some of the apples and the pod dog Cabby, uh, Shiba Inu. Yes, I have a pod Doge because that's a Shiba Inu from the Doge memes. Yes, bonus. Cabby also loves damn apples. Oh my gosh. <laughs> look at those apples. Wait, but first let's look at Cabby. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I love I mean, Shiba Inus. They're cute. so adorable. And that's the Doge. They're so elegant too. You know, I they're know. like elegant and adorable, which is a very tough mix. I mean, mm-hmm. AG and I know a little bit about being adorable and elegant, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know. Yes. I'm I'm so jealous. I would like I remember having apple butter, which is not super easy to find on the west coast or maybe i just haven't been looking in the right spots but we used to go to north carolina um every christmas and we would literally just eat apple butter the entire time so i'm like salivating it's so good or we would make like baked apples with cinnamon and and put and drizzle (laughs) caramel on top of them oh yum give me that love that (laughs) Okay, next up we got Max, pronouns he, him. I have good news and a confession. First, my good news is that I filled out my Illinois ballot and dropped it off. Woo-woo! It felt so good to vote against the orange fuckface. But also, where I live, (laughs) Chicago, we get to vote on on judges to renew their terms. In the past, I had just left it blank because I didn't know anything about judges, and I didn't feel comfortable saying yes or no as to whether or not uh, they should continue to hold these very important positions. But this year... I found the site InjusticeWatch.com, which includes each judge's biography, high-profile cases, controversial decisions, and ratings by the Chicago Bar Association, Illinois State Bar Association, and Chicago Council of Lawyers. I found it super helpful. I think it's actually InjusticeWatch.org. I think it's actually an org. Did I say .com? I think so, yeah. Shoot. It's InjusticeWatch.org, .org. 
Uh, he says that he found it super helpful and it felt great to be able to make informed decisions on people who hold a ton of power. I really hope you share this site with your listeners. Amy, could you say it right again? It's injusticewatch.org. Um, so all of us Chicago Beans listeners can vote informed. An informed electorate is the best defense against fascism. Ain't that the truth? <gasps> then there's a picture of a dog. Okay. Now for my confession. Every time, and I do mean every time AG says the word corrections, I immediately belt out the old MSW clip, clip. it's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. My wife found it funny at first, but I think if I keep it up, she might leave me. <laughs> I can't help it, though. It's in my head every time, and I just got to belt it out. Keep up the good work. It's a mistake. Yeah. It's tough for me to say I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it starts out with men at work, and then it goes into uh, Pizza Terra in Chicago. So it's it's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I oh, apologize. Yeah, yeah, I Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's it's a whole. It's a thing. medley of song. Mm, indeed. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Okay. Da, da, Keep da, up da, the da, great da, work, da. and thanks for all you do. P.S. I'm including a picture of my dog just cause. Always, always. Include a picture. Let me tell you something. This dog is freaking cute. Yeah, it looks like a little, like a, like black ears, Boxer? white face, black nose. It looks kind of like a, like an American uh, Staffordshire Terrier. Kind of like a pity, but oh. with a lab mix in. Yeah. It just Or like an American Bulldog. I wonder oh, what this dog is. perfect. Oh, Is the so dog's cute. name Spots? Let us I don't know. know. We want to know. Uh oh, more dog pictures in the last, in the <gasps> last uh, confession. <gasps> oh. Okay, here we go. Anonymous confessor. Anonymous pronoun she and her. I voted for W's first term. I had an impeach sign up in my window four months after he took office, <laughs> and I haven't voted for a Republican since. I came to my senses, and so can others. Please be kind and welcoming when people do. Hmm. The only people that should be punished are the officials who are guilty, complicitous, or cowards. Even some of them still have a chance to do the right thing. Pictured are my Shih Tzu and beloved garage spider. Remember, it's getting cold outside. Let them in. Uh, yeah, it be, and we always say that spider, oh my God. Okay, so we always say, and Amy, we've said this forever, it's it's a bad idea to to scream at people to change and then give them no room to do so. So and we've had a former um, Trump voter, uh, now Democrat, Warren supporter, now Biden supporter, David Weissman on the show several times. He's he's awesome. I support anyone who has turned Democrat uh, from Republican. Welcome them with open arms. I even thank Republicans who are staying Republicans but voting for Joe Biden. But, you know, arm's length because pro-life. But uh, <laughs> still, you know, there's a lot of them. And, you yeah. know, people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe George Conway came out and said Amy Coney Barrett was this great person. And I'm like, he's still a Republican. He might a be Republican, with the Lincoln Project. Yeah. But these are Republicans still. They aren't going yeah. to give up their Republican values unless they were just sort of based on Trumpy stuff and then they've changed and they become Democrats because they realize how awesome we are. Um, you know, and that, yeah. you know, like somebody tweeted um, radical left wing. We want health care for you. Radical right wing. We want to kidnap the governor of Mich Michigan. You know, like it's literally. Yes, I saw that. It was so good. It's so true. 
You know, I think that you're so right, and it is, and it's, it is hard because you do. I mean, at least I, my 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 first sense is I want to just be like, like when I saw some of the undecided voters after the debates the other night, I just wanted to like take them by the shoulders and be like, "What are you undecided about?" But that's not helpful. You know what I mean? Shaming people into kind of feeling bad about choices they made when they are in a position to make a better choice um and learn from a bad choice uh or or just learn from a choice that didn't work out for them i think that that is a really good message and something that i need to be reminded of so thank you for reminding me yeah absolutely and it's it's just you know it's important stuff to remember although i will vote shame people who sit out or who are going to write in a third party candidate because fuck those oh, people. Oh, 100%. I mean, like, let's just fucking roll them through the mud, seriously. And, the, and they're like, well, if you don't suck my dick, I'm not going to vote for Biden. And I'm like, look, the fact that you need me to hold your hand yes. and explain to you and beg you to vote for the right thing shows exactly where your priorities are. So, eh, exactly. talk to the hand. No, thank you. And also, uh, you know, a certain to a certain uh, population of those people, like how much privilege they have. You know, so mm. many of us don't have the uh, the privilege of of surviving or or, or 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 not having Trump's policies affect us, you know. Yeah, um, right. So, right. I don't know. I'm just thinking of that. And I mm-hmm. and I and maybe those people are just too far gone, but we can focus on the ones who have questions, the ones who are open to have conversations mm-hmm. about it, and who are willing to listen. Yes, yes, hundred yes. percent. If you're Creepy, willing to yes. listen, I'll talk to you. Um, yes, and you know I'm, I'm happy to do that about and politics. Hap- yeah, and I'm happy to hear what they have to say as well. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 and trust me, I'm not a huge fan of the duopoly, they call it. Hashtag duopoly. That's a Russian hashtag. But, uh, you know, the two party system, it sucks. Yeah. But it's, that's in the constitution. It's not that that it's a two party system, but we've got to get money out of politics. That's step one. And, uh, if you don't vote for Biden, that means you're helping Trump. And if Trump wins, money will never be out of politics. Ever, ever. And I think just one last thing, too, like for younger uh, voters who are feeling like really disenfranchised, who are just feeling like, what this, what is the point? Like if you want people like AOC or Bernie Sanders to make it to the presidency, to make it all the way, you have to grow these people. You have to foster them from local elections, down the ballot stuff. So if you're if you want someone like more more progressive and leftist to be your president one day, it's not just going to happen. You have to foster those people because they're not going to be able to take money from big banks and big corporations and big packs. You're going to have to uh, work for them and find them and nurture them and get them elected to local office so that one day, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you can cast a vote for them for a general election. Mm hmm. Yeah, and and our government was designed to move at a snail's pace. Um, And I cannot wait for this new generation to come up and take shit over and fix everything. Um, But, like, between now and November 3rd, we're not going to have a viable third party. We're not going to change politics. We're not going to get money out of politics. We're, We're in the system that we're in, and the only way to get rid of Trump is to vote for Biden. That's the only way. So, Amen. Uh Yay! So everybody, I think I, I think we're preaching to the choir here. I don't I don't think I have any listeners that aren't going to be voting for Joe Biden. But maybe maybe someone can be like, oh, I heard this on the good news, and I'll tell my snot nosed grandkids about it, or my neighbor, or whatever. Don't, don't call <laughs> yeah. them snot nosed; they won't appreciate that. Yeah, but she is right. Um, our confessor from 
of where is she from? Oh, she didn't say. But she's right. We have to be kind and welcoming when people change their minds. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much, Amy, for joining me. Happy Friday. And uh, I can't wait to see you next week. And I hope you have a good weekend. When are you traveling back from Canada? How long are you there for? Who knows? I am having my ballot FedExed as we speak. Um, Yeah, there's some issues. So this is a little boring, but um, Vancouver has over 40 productions happening and the labs are having trouble keeping up with the testing. So we've gotten delayed. So I think I will be back before election day, but I'm not sure and I'm not going to take a risk. So my ballot's on the way and I will send it back promptly and have my husband drop it off at a designated ballot box drop off. I love that. Even though you're from California. You're like not risking it. Oh yeah, it's 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 the big. It's it would be the biggest FOMO ever. Like if I just you know what I mean. Like if I if I didn't, uh, it would be so, like huge FOMO. And I want the sticker. All right. Well, it has been so great to talk to you, Amy. So I will speak to you next week, and everyone else, we will talk to you over the weekend. Until then, please take care of each other, take care of yourselves, take care of your mental health, and take care of the planet. I've been Ag, and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.